0: This is a public health announcement brought to you by Heather Shepherd. The Primal Pioneer. Live an outdoor life. This is the Primal Pioneer podcast, a show dedicated to helping you achieve optimal health, by making radical lifestyle, dietary, and environmental shifts to support forward movement with your health. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, radical health practitioner, gut health specialist, and homeopathic doctor in training. When I was 23 years old, I suffered a TBI, otherwise known as a traumatic brain injury. This shifted my life from being a super athletic type A kind of person to Well, being a slug, the side effects of my TBI left me sidelined from physical activity for nearly 12 years. I tried every modality under the sun, desperately yearning, trying, and hoping to get better. It wasn't until I stepped outside of the conventional medical model and even much of the alternative medical model that I saw real lasting progress with my health. Even after 12 years of struggling with the negative side effects of my TBI, such as poor digestion, brain fog, brain pain, anxiety, poor sleep, weight gain, and low energy. Today, I feel better than I did in my 20s before my TBI even occurred. And I achieved my version of optimal health by deep diving into the areas of the body, particularly the mitochondria and emotional energetics that most notably affect and impact our health. Sadly, however, these are areas of health that most healthcare practitioners overlook and underconsider today. By utilizing the therapeutic healing capabilities of sunlight, a high-octane diet, which I refer to as my jet fuel diet, and by improving my light and EMF environment, I went from zero to 100 with my health in a very short period of time. All I needed were the right tools, environment, and modalities to get me there. Today, I help thousands of people overcome both acute and chronic ailments using my nature and science-based radical approach to health. During this episode today, I dive into the topic of carbs and sugars, why these substances aren't inherently bad and dangerous to our health, how we can add carbs back into our diet in a way that doesn't degrade our health, I talk about the connection between carbs and sunlight and deep dive into some of the science behind carb metabolism, why it's faulty in some, and how you can improve carb metabolism by improving your light environment. Now let's dive into the episode all about carbs, sugar, and how you can support and improve your carbohydrate metabolism. Welcome to today's episode, everyone. I'm super stoked to get into this topic all about sugar and carbohydrates with you all. This is a topic that's uh, been a pretty hot one for the past few years. However, when it comes to diet, when it comes to carbs, sugars, we tend to have this mindset around, okay, we need to avoid these or really limit these foods. In order to attain our health goals right so we all have been hearing how sugars poison carbohydrates lead to weight gain sugar feeds cancer etc and so a lot of our current dietary trends really focus on carbon sugar uh, limitations so limit these things keep these things low or keep them out of the diet and you'll have success with your diet so This episode is going to start to dissolve some of those blind beliefs because really nature wouldn't have created the carbohydrate if we weren't supposed to eat it. There are a lot of ways why carbohydrates contribute to some of our modern day epidemics and pathologies like type 2 diabetes and cancer and obesity, uh, depression and anxiety. However, they don't have to. There are really Healthy, safe, appropriate ways to add sugar and carbohydrates into your diet without them feeding cancer, without them feeding obesity or depression or anxiety states. And so, uh, the mainstream dietary world, especially the keto world, the paleo world, many people in that world haven't fully grasped uh, why carbohydrates have become dangerous so to speak um, when it comes to our health because they don't have to when we understand how they're grown and the environment in which they're grown in and how that is really important when it comes to our own environment that we live in and that we work in every day and I'll dive deep into this this topic and the the underlying causes and issues around sugar and carb consumption and how you can actually not take this deprivation attitude or stance when it comes to sugar and carbs, but how you can actually um, have them as part of your diet and a healthy part of your diet without having pathological impacts on your body. So I want to start by diving into two main areas that really contribute to how your body processes carbohydrates, okay? So number one is your light environment. And this might be a new concept for some of you all, like you might be over there thinking on on the other side of this, this podcast, like, wait, how is the light environment I'm in tied to my carbohydrate consumption? You see, this is uh, one of the biggest missing points and uh, areas that the, the paleo and keto world fails to address, at least at this time, when it comes to sugars and carbs. But we're going to dive into it here during this episode, uh, because this can make or break your uh, healing potential, how you process sugars, how you process carbs, just by simply grasping and understanding this one thing that Your light environment has a direct impact on how you metabolize carbohydrates and sugar. So when you live in a poorly lit environment, so we're talking about artificial light, right? Incandescent bulbs, which isn't as bad as, as things like fluorescent lights and LED lights and the light coming from our computer screen or our iPhone or the television screen, et cetera, right? Um, Since 1879, when Edison invented the incandescent bulb, that shifted our lifestyle in a really huge way from being more outdoor affiliated with, with our lives, our lifestyles, how we grow food, how we interact with animals in our natural environment, to being more indoors. And over time, we have shifted to this more indoor lifestyle. We've adopted this lifestyle more and more over time, especially as we become "quote unquote, more technologically advanced. So this single move has really driven our inability to process, digest, assimilate carbohydrates and sugars. And again, I'll, I'll talk about that in detail as we go throughout this episode. But I just, initially want to bring some attention here to the difference in the light environment. So when you're outside, you're living under the power density of the sun. There's a lot of different light spectrums throughout the day that are in the sun that drive your metabolism, right? You have infrared light, you have UV light, you have all these reds and purples, you have blue light, um, and you have all of these together. During the morning, you have more red and blue, and as the afternoon light appears, you have more purples in the UV spectrum. When you're inside, you're predominantly living under a blue and green light environment. And this is an artificially lit environment. This is what I'm referring to when I say a uh, poor light environment or an artificial light environment. So when you're constantly in front of your your tech devices, when you're Say, working under or living under LED lights or fluorescent lights when you turn artificial light on at night. These are really huge no nos when it comes to your metabolic health, your hormone health, your endocrine health, and your ability to process and metabolize sugars and carbs effectively. So, what I would invite you to do, anyone who uh, has a, a scientific mind out there and you want to learn more about this, I would highly recommend a book by Fritz Hallwich called The Influence of Ocular Light Perception on Metabolism in Man and in Animal. That's kind of a mouthful, but it's an awesome book. And it's this ophthalmologist who goes through and really breaks down how light and when light hits our eye, it influences and is one of the uh, major influencing factors with regard to our endocrine function, our metabolism, our energy levels, our endocrine function and this is a huge area that's overlooked in the medical literature today and we aren't considering the impact of that light has on our eye and our skin at this point in time, we know that, that those two things are really huge. The light that hits our eye, the light that hits our skin really runs our metabolism, our hormones, our endocrine function. So I just want to tie this back into and, and keep us focused on carbohydrates because this story is it's a deep one. There's some science behind this. So um, if you're listening in and you're like, oh, I have no idea about science, uh, I'm going to try to keep it really um, really easy to comprehend for those of you who aren't super sciencey, Cause you know, like when I'm talking to my partner about some of these things, she's like, okay, just tell me what that means. And so, you know, so I'm going to try to really keep that, um, that mind frame for those of you out there who don't have a, a huge science uh, calling or passion, but I am going to use some science words because it's just, it helps to portray the message. And you can see, you can like connect the dots between, okay, why does actually the light that hits our eye and hits our skin actually have a a huge impact on metabolism and endocrine function and our hormonal health? But um, one reason why is uh, when light hits our eye, it actually um, interacts with something called the PVN or the paraventricular nucleus. And you can just refer to this as the PVN, right? This is uh, located in your hypothalamus, which is located in your brain. And the PVN controls things like stress and metabolism and your ability to uh, reproduce, your ability to have a baby, like your fertility potential. It helps. It's what allows us to grow and it strengthens and I should say drives immune function. So, what drives this nucleus, the PVN in uh, the hypothalamus, is the light that hits your eyes. So the light that hits your eyes it goes and it activates the PVN and really, the PVN can be thought of as this circadian biology portal, meaning like your your body's biological time clock and uh, one of the main time clocks that regulates your metabolism, your hormones, your endocrine function, okay? And so the light that hits your eye sends these messages to the PVN in your hypothalamus, and this is what signals how you respond to stress. It signals uh, metabolic signaling and, and chemical signaling and hormonal signaling throughout your body. This is one of the most overlooked factors when it comes to metabolic diseases today. We tend to think of metabolic diseases as, hey, there's something wrong with the diet. Let's fix the diet because that's how we metabolize our foods, right? It's a very linear, makes a lot of sense in a logical, linear way, right? However, um, the body acts and is run in some very nonlinear, what we would consider counterintuitive ways. And this is one of them, and this is a big one. And when we can start to connect the dots here, uh, we can see that the light that interacts with our eye plays a huge role in the way we uh, metabolize our foods, produce energy. It has a huge impact on our ability to reproduce, uh, controls our immune function. Uh, So you know, we can, we can really apply this. Let's just take reproduction. Cause this is something that's been up in my world lately as these growing rates of infertility and a lot of women engaging in artificial insemination and going through these really intense fertility protocols, you know, so they can have a baby. And while the medical world tends to focus on, okay, let's, you know. Make sure you have enough eggs and the eggs are healthy and let's check out the sperm and make sure it's, um, you know, mobile and um, can swim and has really good motility, right? Um, But we're not really looking at the root of the issue, which is also contained in this function of the PVN and how light interacts with the PVN, um, which is your body's main circadian clock. It's, It's your body's time keeper. So you can see now why I'm not a huge fan of sunglasses because this blocks the, uh, the penetration of sunlight, you know, that goes into your eye and you don't want to ever look directly at sunlight. I'm not telling you to go out in the middle of the day and look directly at, at sunlight. And I go over this in the Sunlight Rx ebook of, you know, the optimal time to look directly at the sun is for a few seconds right at the beginning of sunrise, right? The initial sunrise when it's coming over the horizon, right? That's a really uh, healthy time to actually look in the direction of the sun. A lot of ancient cultures did that. They referred to it as sun gazing. However, you don't have to look directly at the sun for the light photons to enter your eye. Just simply looking in the direction of the sun when you're outside is going to stimulate a healthy function of the PVN. And when that's working, then your metabolism is functioning on point, your hormones are functioning on point, as well as your endocrine system. So the sunlight RX is very, very deep in the sense that it's much more than, hey, let's Get your body in sunlight to be in this relaxing, nourishing, natural environment. It's like, no, let's learn how to utilize sunlight to, of course, be in a natural environment and to be out in nature, but to also get your metabolism, your endocrine function, and your immune system in a healthier place. So, this is really huge, and you'll learn more why here very soon as to why this is so important with regard to how your body processes carbohydrates. But let's go into number two, because uh, I'll talk about that connection a little bit more here as well. And that is the carbohydrate light connection. So let's just take a minute to think about what kind of light is needed, what kind of of environment is needed for carbohydrates to actually grow in. So, you know, carbohydrates, like we think of grains, we think of fruits, right? Right. Um, and so in order for these foods to actually grow, they need to be in a very strong UV light environment. You can't grow a pineapple in uh light that doesn't contain the UV spectrum. It needs a very, very strong UV light spectrum in order to grow things like pineapple, bananas, um, mangoes, kiwis. But even, you know, if we think about non-tropical regions you need strong UV light to grow berries and strawberries and uh, raspberries, blueberries, etc. Um, so we really have to make this connection here that carbohydrates are grown in strong UV light. And in tropical regions, this occurs in this light, this strong UV light's available all year round, right? But If you go outside of the 28 degree latitude, if you go higher than that, you are out of a tropical region. And now, um, carbohydrates aren't available all year round in nature. They're not, you can't grow them any time of year. And this is because UV light is not present 365 days a year once you get. Outside of about the 28, 27.5 degree latitude and above. This is really significant because our food carries a light blueprint. And we learned about this in really simple terms in sixth grade when we started to learn about photosynthesis in our science classes, right? That you need light in order to grow your food. But these foods, they carry that light blueprint just as your body carries a light blueprint as well. So your body carries a blueprint of light depending on the light you're exposed to. so if you're exposed to a lot of artificial light every day, your body is carrying that blueprint right how whereas if you're exposed to um you know the red light, the infrared light the u v light the blue light all contained in sunlight, your body contains that blueprint, okay so everything has a light blueprint so to speak so why is this important well on a real surface level we think of food in terms of fats carbohydrates and proteins right we're like did you get you know enough protein in today people on keto did you count your macros right these are the macronutrients that everybody's counting you know make sure to get 80% fat in protein and 5% carbs. That's like a standard keto calculation for our macronutrients, right? But we have to dive deeper here because when your food is actually turned into energy, um, it's not detected um, solely in the form of fats, carbs, and proteins, but it's broken down into an even deeper anatomical, more minuscule level. Um, in the form of electrons and protons. And electrons and protons, they carry that light blueprint within them. So as your body's churning your food into energy, right? Um, This is the whole reason why we eat food is in order to help us produce energy. Um, It's not just consisting of fats, carbs, and proteins, but electrons and protons as well. So. Here's where the science comes in just a little bit. But for those of you who are familiar with your mitochondria, these are like the energy warehouse of your body. It's like your battery. So I like to refer to the mitochondria and the, and the health of the mitochondria as um, is your battery running like on this fully charged high octane mode or is your battery running low? Is it like that iPhone that needs to be plugged in, right? So the mitochondria is a huge area in which and where you produce your energy. And the way you produce energy is that those electrons and protons move across your mitochondria with the end goal of producing energy, oxygen, and water. So in order to do so, the electrons and protons have to go across like five train stops. Um, so it's, we'll refer to those as those are referred to in the science world as cytochromes. You have one through five. So as soon as you're you're getting ready to turn that food that you've just eaten into fuel, those electrons and protons go across those five proteins in your mitochondria. So it goes to stop one, cytochrome one, stop two, cytochrome two, stop three, cytochrome three, etc., till it gets to cytochrome five. So As these electrons and protons move across your mitochondria, this allows you to produce energy, oxygen, and water. And your ability to do this, perform these three tasks, producing energy, oxygen, and water, this is like your key to health. The better you can do that, the healthier you will be. If you can do those three things uh, super effectively and efficiently, you will age very gracefully. Um, you'll have, you'll lead a longer life. You will be less susceptible to chronic diseases um, and you'll have more energy and better sleep. And these things all lie in your ability to produce energy, oxygen, and water at the mitochondrial level. So let's take carbohydrates because that's what this, this episode is all about. And let's take carbohydrates and how they interact with your Uh, mitochondria and these cytochromes, each each of these train stops in order to produce energy. So carbohydrates, they enter your mitochondria at cytochrome 1, which is known as NAD, NADH. Many of you may have heard of this. This is a very popular supplement these days for anyone who has compromised energy production, even people who have cancer, people who have type 2 diabetes. Uh, A lot of Functional medicine practitioners, uh, naturopathic doctors are prescribing um, nicotinamide, which is known as NAD, NADH, here at, um, but that is naturally contained in cytochrome 1. This is cytochrome 1. And when your carbohydrates that you just ate, let's say you just had a bowl full of berries and um, they were awesome, you loved them, here they go, they've broken down into their electrons and protons, and they're getting ready to make their journey across your mitochondria, right? They're getting ready to make that journey across to produce energy, oxygen, and water. So carbohydrates enter the uh, electron chain transport here, which is just simply the name of the train stop that we've been talking about at cytochrome 1, NADH. And so what happens is When your NAD, NADH, uh, or cytochrome one is not in good shape, it's unhealthy, it's, it's not working optimally, you cannot digest, process, assimilate carbohydrates in an effective way. And what happens is you end up compromising your ability to produce energy, oxygen, and water because those components, uh, those electrons and protons in the carbs you just ate, because your cytochrome one is broken, it's not working optimally. It's like when you get on an airplane in Texas and you're supposed to go to Delray Beach in you know, Florida, but the engine's not working, so you can't get off of the runway. This is... The exact same thing that happens when you eat carbohydrates and your cytochrome 1 is broken, you cannot produce energy because those electrons and protons cannot get past cytochrome 1 to produce energy, oxygen, and water. So, over time, as you eat carbohydrates and you have simultaneously have a broken, uh, non functional cytochrome 1, you start to develop a pathology state. You start to gain weight. Your hormones start to become compromised. You start to go into a type 2 diabetes state. Your susceptibility to cancer increases. You start to feel more depressed. You have more of an anxiety-provoking reaction when you eat carbohydrates. So this fundamentally is why people struggle with assimilating absorbing utilizing carbohydrates so what happens when these pathology states start to creep in as people look to diet okay like my metabolism's off we can see that yeah your metabolism is off if you have a propensity to gain weight you're obese you're struggling with cancer these are key signs that your metabolism isn't functioning optimally the mistake we've done or the limitation we've created around approaching metabolic disorders is simply looking at diet as a means to rectify these issues. However, diet is somewhat of a band-aid approach when it comes to rectifying these these issues because we're not looking at what actually drives your ability to process carbs um, and your ability to uh, have a healthy metabolism and healthy hormone function, which is your light environment. So we can look to a ketogenic diet to help with these issues, to help with a cancer diagnosis, to help with obesity, type two diabetes. Right? We can look to a ketogenic diet because it's low in carbohydrates, and when you remove carbohydrates from your diet, you bypass cytochrome one. So let's say your diet is predominantly. Fats and proteins; these actually enter the electron chain at cytochrome two, sometimes um, cytochrome three, and so you bypass a broken system. You bypass a broken NAD, NADH, and this is why some people have success with a ketogenic diet. is It's because only the first stop along the train stop is broken. You know, the first stop is broken, but two through five is working pretty optimally. And so they go on a ketogenic diet, they start to lose weight, their cancer goes away. And then they think, oh my gosh, I found the golden chalice. I'm on track. The ketogenic diet saved my life. It's I'm cancer free. This is awesome. And that is awesome. It's so invigorating and refreshing and inspiring and uplifting when we have these huge healing breakthroughs. Um, simply from doing something like a dietary shift. However, if we want to get to the root of, or at least a a big partial root of why you got cancer or why you are so susceptible to type 2 diabetes or obesity or weight gain, first we need to repair a broken or faulty NAD, NADH, that's cytochrome 1, to actually improve your carbohydrate metabolism. If you don't repair your NAD, NADH function, then you will have to, you know, anytime you you divert from your ketogenic diet, low-carb diet, et cetera, then your symptoms will come back. Anytime we do something like this, we we follow a diet strictly or a supplement protocol strictly, Strictly, an elimination diet, strictly, and then we go off of it and all of our symptoms come back. That's what I consider partially suppression and a band aid approach. Not that the diet isn't doing some other really awesome things. However, if we're going to get to the root of this issue as to why so many of us today. Uh, throughout the entire world struggle with carbohydrate metabolism, it's because we need to repair the broken engines at cytochrome 1, NAD, NADH. So in order to repair that engine, let's explore how cytochrome 1 becomes damaged. Cytochrome 1, um, and this is interchangeable. Cytochrome 1 means the same thing as NAD, NADH. Okay? These are interchangeable um, in this context. Cytochrome 1 is a fluorophore protein. Anything that's a fluorophore protein is designed to interact with UV light. It literally has a molecular structure that's designed to function when you're exposed to UV light. So when UV light interacts with your eye and it goes into that PVN, your paraventricular nucleus in your hypothalamus that stimulates your metabolism and your hormone function and your stress levels and supports immunity, right? NADNADH needs UV light in order to function optimally. It drives its function. NADNADH is also made from melatonin. Okay. So we need, a lot of people think of melatonin as a nighttime hormone, right? That, that melatonin is released from the pineal gland three to four hours after darkness, and it's the hormone of darkness. Totally true. Melatonin is absolutely the hormone of darkness in that sense. It's a huge regulator of our circadian biology or time clock. If um, your melatonin is being released three to four hours after darkness, your circadian biology, your body's time clock is likely pretty on point. That's a very healthy sign. Most people are struggling with this today. They're not having adequate melatonin release, it's not occurring at all in some. It's not occurring at the right time in others. And um, we have to also look at the other side of melatonin. While it's released during the night, it's actually recycled and replenished in a very strong um, and somewhat strong UV light environment. So if you're not going out in sunlight during the day, then you're not recycling and replenishing your melatonin levels. This is why people with cancer, type 2 diabetes, obesity, they often and you know I've found in ninety nine percent of the time also have low melatonin levels and low vitamin D levels because they're not out there in that that strong uh, UV light. The sunlight RX teaches you how to make melatonin, recycle your melatonin using UV light. This is a huge huge part of the sunlight rx and and how it helps to get your circadian biology, your own internal time clock back on point. So when you start to correct your light environment, then you, this is the key. This is absolutely vital to helping transform the way your body handles carbohydrates because when you're in UV light, now you're repairing the broken engines at cytochrome one. Now you're stimulating NAD, NADH. Now you're replenishing your melatonin source. And this is absolutely key to your ability uh, of your body to handle carbs. So when you know this this information and and these intricate workings of, of your physiology, of your body, when it comes to metabolism, when it comes to how your body produces energy, now you might start to see that. Long-term keto or any diet, uh, anything that you have to be on long-term is a Band-Aid approach to health. And I'm not saying a ketogenic diet is bad because it's often a diet that I start many of my private clients on. It's like, let's get you into a therapeutic ketogenic diet initially to start with it's never an end-all be-all it's it's never something where my goal for the client is to have them be on a keto diet for the rest of their life 365 days a year when we have to use that approach we're not getting to the root of the issue which is often a part partial a root cause of type 2 diabetes cancer obesity Is faulty NAD, NADH function, right? That engine is broken. So you will be much more successful with your diet and healing goals when you simultaneously change your diet and align that diet with your natural environment, the light that's coming into your natural environment from sunlight. And when you do this, as your NAD, as your NADH starts to get more UV light and interacts with more UV light, those engines become healed. That function becomes improved, and then you can eat more carbohydrates and not have the detrimental effects that over carb consumption can uh, create. Now, I'm never talking about things like. The artificial carbohydrates that are in processed and packaged foods that are in the form of high fructose corn syrup or corn syrup, processed and packaged foods are not do not contain natural carbohydrates from our environment. Okay. Natural carbohydrates from the environment. I'm particularly talking about fruits um, and some higher carbohydrate vegetables. I found modern day that most people don't do very well with grains at all, especially the younger generations. So older generations, they tend to do a little better with grains. Now, this isn't standard across the board, but I've found that people um, in older generations can process grains more effectively and efficiently than younger generations. So for example, my mom, she processes grains fairly well. Not awesome, uh, but fairly well, much better than I do, much better than my brother and sister does. And then I look at my brother and and sister's children, they do very poorly with grains. Even the slightest introduction of a grain uh, triggers some kind of emotional or literal uh, or physical response in the body. That's almost immediate, either in the form of a rash, or a tantrum, or a full blown meltdown emotionally. Um, and so, I found that in in a lot of cases, um, the younger generations do very poorly with grains. So um, while grains may have been a staple in some of the ancient diets, uh, our exposure to very poorly grown grains throughout our life, um, a lot of grains are, are sprayed with GMOs, Roundup Ready. Uh, for example, wheat uh, is, is desiccated with um, Roundup Ready in order to, to dry it out, to kill off the plant. To make it easier to harvest, and a lot of us have grown up on those grains and and on wheat that's been uh, doused in Roundup Ready, and so um, our my generation tends to do very poorly with grains, as as well as the younger generations as well. So when I talk about carbohydrates, I'm mostly referring to uh, fruits and some of the starchy vegetables like beets, for example, and carrots. Um, So I found that as you heal cytochrome 1, your ability to handle, process, assimilate, turn carbohydrates into actual energy versus turn it into fat is fully dependent on the health and vitality of cytochrome 1. A lot of people struggle with finding the right diet and meal plan to support not only their health, but their taste buds as well. As a nutritionist with over 12 years experience, I want to help you answer your deep burning questions around food, diet, meal prep, special diets, and how to swap unhealthy ingredients for healthier ones. And I'm opening the doors for you all to ask your questions around this very topic. And these questions will be answered right here on the Primal Pioneer podcast. All you have to do is submit your question to me and I'll answer it during the show. Here's how you can submit your burning nutrition, food and diet questions. Number one, on your phone, go into your voice memo app and record your name, location and question. Feel free to share about your health experiences, cooking failures or successes and personal experience with food and nutrition. And then lastly, number two, upload the file to me at solution at gmail.com. That's K-E-T-O-Cancersolution at gmail.com. I'll play your question on the show and we'll answer it in full detail to help support your dietary food adventures and healing process. Now, let's head back to the episode all about carbs, sugar, and their intimate connection to sunlight. So just to clarify, because this has been a big episode with regard to, we're talking a little bit more about science. We're diving into some of these atomic layers of health and metabolism. And so I just want to kind of recap here what we've talked about uh, with regard to the main driving factors behind what actually makes sugar and carbohydrate consumption uh, more disease-provoking Versus health provoking are really three main things. One is living in an artificial, artificially lit environment. When you do so, you're exposed to more of the blue and green spectrum of light. And this is a much higher spectrum of light than sunlight offers. So the blue light you're exposed to in artificial light is much brighter. Uh, color temperature than the blue light found in sunlight, and this is very, very uh, detrimental to your circadian biology, to your hormones. And number two, what this does is it creates a sunlight deficiency. If you're inside under artificial light, you're not under, you know, nature's light bulb, which is the sun, and you're not exposed to that strong UV light, which allows you to process carbohydrates. And then number three, which I want to dive into here a little bit more, is food availability. So what I mean by that is that today, despite the season, you can go into any grocery store and you can buy any food, despite if it's growing outside of your door, in your region, at your local farmer's market or not. So for example, let's say you live in upstate New York, where I grew up. And it's January, you go into the store and you buy, you know, a thing of bananas and you buy some mangoes and some avocados. You can't get these foods uh, anytime in upstate New York, but definitely not in the winter time. And so let's get into why this is an issue, because this is a huge driving force behind why we're no longer able to process carbs and sugars um, adequately, and why it's a huge part of rectifying the issue. So as you all know and have learned in this episode, maybe you've heard it from others in the mitochondrial healing world and health world thus far, but food carries a light blueprint. And this light blueprint matches the light environment that the food was grown in right that makes obvious sense if you you have a you're growing a banana the banana tree only grows in strong uv light so that banana is going to carry uv light in its blueprint okay now your body detects this light at the mitochondrial level when food is processed okay it's broken down into these subatomic particles of electrons and protons and it's the electrons and protons that actually carry the light blueprint. And that light blueprint is a hundred percent dependent on the light environment your food was grown in. So here's why, on a deeper level, ketogenic diets and elimination diets are only half of the story. It goes back to eating this mango in January or a banana or a pineapple. And you live at a high latitude. You live above the twenty-eight degree latitude. So twenty-eight above um, these foods, you cannot grow them there, especially during the winter months. So let's just, for example, say you live at the the forty-five degree latitude in Portland, Oregon, or New York, or even at a higher latitude, you know, in Alaska or Ireland or British Columbia, right? So you can't walk outside your door for at least half of the year. And come in contact with UV light because it's not present the entire year like it is in the tropical regions. Those of you who've read the Sunlight RX ebook and have down your, your Sunlight RX practice know that UV light is only available during certain times of the year. And you know what this time frame is. It depends on your latitude, it depends on if you live in the northern or the southern hemisphere. And this is really huge when it comes to the foods that you should be eating that are best for your body, that are best for your metabolism and energy production that are least inflammatory. So what happens? Let's just say you went went crazy and you ate a banana in the middle of January when you live in... um, Upstate New York, or Portland, or British Columbia, right? What happens is that when food is broken down into those atomic levels of electrons and protons, your mitochondria reads this as okay. This is there's a strong UV light present. There's a strong UV light blueprint in that food that you're breaking down, right? However, the light that your eyes, uh, your skin is receiving throughout the day doesn't contain any UV light, okay? So this right here is creating what's called a circadian mismatch. The environment is mismatched with the light that you're getting. So you're eating a food that contains a strong UV light blueprint. However, it's impossible for you to go outside and get UV light in the middle of winter when you live at a high latitude, and this creates circadian mismatch. This right here is the most common yet overlooked cause of obesity, type 2 diabetes, depression, and leaky gut today, possibly even cancer in many cases. When you're eating a food that has a strong light blueprint, however, it's January, in the middle of winter, you don't live in the tropics, what happens is you you start to go into the state of circadian mismatch. No special diet, no keto diet, no supplement plan can can rectify this. however, we can start to get to the root of this by avoiding carbs and sugars that are gro- grown in a strong UV light environment during winter time. We shouldn't be eating bananas in winter, we shouldn't be eating mangoes or avocados in winter time when we live outside of the tropics, okay? What happens is this causes inflammation, it causes chaos. Um, And this is a driving factor behind a lot of our modern disease epidemics today. Now, is a ketogenic diet rich in carbs and sugars? Absolutely not. It's the exact opposite, right? This is why so many people look to it and lean hard on it is because it avoids these foods that are driving our epidemic rates of obesity, type 2 diabetes, cancer, etc. So the diseases and disorders that the ketogenic diet has uh, shown to improve are diseases and disorders caused by eating carbohydrates and sugar during the wrong time of season, during the wrong time of year. And these uh, carbohydrate metabolism... Um, Becomes more faulty when you're in an artificially lit environment. So let's say you work in front of a screen, you work on your phone a lot, you're in front of a TV a lot, you work in an environment that has a lot of LEDs in the building um, or in your home, and you eat a lot of sugars or carbohydrates. This is going to further fuel the issue um, because artificial light really. compromises the health of cytochrome 1, NAD, NADH. So just keep this in mind. If you're someone who uh, works in front of a screen, does a lot of work online, um, works under LED lights, you, when you eat carbohydrates in this type of environment, you're going to expedite any type of metabolic pathology that may be starting or may be at play. But when we look at the ketogenic diet, this shifts your diet environment from one of summertime, right? So summertime meaning there's a lot of carbohydrates and fruit in the diet, to one of wintertime, right? Ketogenic diet is a natural diet of wintertime. It's It's the type of diet that our ancient ancestors consumed. And during winter months, you know, and th- this pertains to individuals, obviously, who ha- did not live in tropical regions. So anyone outside of the tropical regions at higher latitudes naturally consumed a ketogenic based diet for winter. They were naturally in that LCHF, low carb, high fat dietary uh, practice. This is the ideal time to eat a ketogenic diet. Now, I want to say that I do use a ketogenic diet in my radical health practice as a short-term resource. So let's say somebody who really has compromised carbohydrate metabolism, a cancer patient, someone with type 2 diabetes, somebody really struggling with their weight or obesity, right? Despite the season, I will use a short-term ketogenic diet to, uh, while simultaneously Improving their light environment because we need to get to the root of the issue, right? We need to improve the light environment. We need to get the individual in a strong UV light environment so their NAD, NADH, cytochrome 1 can optimize, right? When we do that, we can get to the root or at least one of the main roots of the issue. So, something that I post a lot about in my Keto Cancer Solution Facebook group. Is this concept that a ketogenic diet will not work as well, or not will not work as effectively if you're living and eating under fake light? This creates inflammation, it creates uh, chaos at the cellular level, it harms mitochondrial function, it weakens uh, NAD, NADH, it sends mixed messages to your body. This is um why. If you really want to uh, use a ketogenic diet, which I don't suggest doing long-term, because we want to eventually move towards a place where you just you know, use a ketogenic diet during winter months, just like nature designed you. So this is moving you towards living in sync with nature, living in sync with your natural light environment. For people who are really sick, we can't start from this place. Um... You know We have to move the, the, the client, the individual, the patient towards this place. Um, and, and Often, there are several steps to take to get there, but you never want to eat a ketogenic diet while under fake light because this is going to halt the progress that you can make and it's going to further fuel inflammation in your body. You don't want to eat a ketogenic diet in summertime Unless you're one of those really, you know, sick individuals, you're struggling with a type two diabetes, cancer, obesity, and you really need to engage in a ketogenic diet to help jumpstart your healing process. This is when it's really important to get as much sunlight as you can. Of course, in winter too, but in most places at high latitudes, sunlight isn't very available. During the winter months, unless you live in the desert or a high altitude, so you really want to soak up as much sun as you can in summertime when you're living at a high latitude, especially because this is the time when you're going to repair cytochrome one NAD NADH, and this is the key to improving carbohydrate metabolism. Here's an interesting one, and I'll likely dive into this in future episodes, but it's a huge uh, practice that I encourage in, in my own private practice is that when you're eating a ketogenic diet, you have to also include some element of cold into your lifestyle. I want to help you think about diet in a, in a way that aligns you with your environment. Okay, this is how our food is grown. This is how our earth functions. It's all about environment. A ketogenic diet is a wintertime diet, right? Um, and so what happens in winter is it gets really cold. Most people today, they don't allow themselves to get very cold during the winter months. They blast their heat at 80 or 90 you know, degrees Fahrenheit, They don't go outside. They don't allow themselves to be cold. I'm not talking about you know suffering or getting hypothermia or anything like that. But we need to engage in practices that where we're getting cold during cold months, especially. um, This helps to improve the how the ketogenic diet, the effects of ketogenic diet, and therapeutic effects the ketogenic diet has on your body. Cold does some really amazing things to healing the the cytochromes uh, in your mitochondria. Um, So, that's a really important part that we need to consider um, to amplify the healing benefits of a ketogenic diet as well. And we always have to uh, implement sunlight, the Sunlight RX, to improve your NAD, NADH function, and melatonin stores. These are key to improving your carbohydrate metabolism capabilities. So I want to share a little bit about my own personal story with this, because I used to be one of those people who, if I were to eat carbohydrates, especially in the morning, I would be a train wreck. Like um, My energy levels would go way down. Um, My heart would beat really rapidly. I'd get super fatigued. I'd be more prone to anxiety attacks. And this was because my cytochrome 1, NAD, NADH, was super compromised. It was compromised from years of being more indoors uh, after I had my, my, accident, my car accident and my TBI uh, experience. I was inside more, one, because I, I didn't yet know about the healing benefits of sunlight. I didn't know about this correlation between light and diet it seems so obvious, right? Like our food is grown in light. Um, but we don't consider somehow along the whole dietary, uh, education track, we lost sight of that and now have just broken diet down into fats, carbs, and proteins versus photosynthesis and the light environment foods grown in and how that could, could uh, impact our body and our energy production. It seems so basic and rudimentary in a way um but we've lost track of this very basic um correlation between the the light environment our food's grown in the light environment we're exposed to and how that impacts our health and that's like super important but i didn't know anything about that you know when i was going through my tbi and in the in the beginning stages of healing that so i was inside a lot right I tried to start my own online business and was in front of a computer a lot and was on my cell phone a lot and um, was using a wireless connection, which is something I I don't recommend to do all my social media posting and um, all my emails and et cetera, right? So, um, and I was also eating some carbohydrates. I was a vegetarian for years and years and years. And even for a couple of years, um, after my TBI, I was still a vegetarian, and a vegetarian diet is typically, at least mine was, higher in carbohydrates than you know other diets. So I was totally destroying my cytochrome one, my ability to process carbohydrates, and I could see that in uh, my physical and emotional response. I wasn't sleeping well, and that got worse over time. My energy levels were getting worse over time um i was gaining weight my hormones were becoming imbalanced and i thought i was starting to experience these signs of aging which i was however when i started to learn about light the sun when i put the sunlight rx together when i started to learn about the connection between <laughs> the the light environment our foods grown in and the light environment we're exposed to i had a dramatic breakthrough so um by that, I mean energy levels significantly increased. Hormones are now balanced. I'm sleeping really, really great. And I can eat carbohydrates without gaining weight, without having a racing heart, without disrupting my hormones. Did this happen overnight? No, it did not. This took a lot of strong Sunlight RX practicing combined with um, a gradual progression of carbohydrate consumption over time. And if I'm not in a strong UV light environment, which I try to um, limit as much as I can at this time. Like for example, I try to go to Mexico during the winter months, which is, it has a strong UV light environment. It's in that tropical region. I know how important UV light is to my own personal healing process And so I try to spend as much time living in a a strong UV light environment as possible. When that's not possible, I avoid foods that are grown in UV light um, to maintain the health of my metabolism, of my hormones, of my endocrine function, of my circadian biology. So this is something that I would really recommend. It's, it's, It's like nature's foundational laws, right? Foundational principles, um, eat what's grown in your area. Yes, of course, to support your local farmer, but to also support your metabolic health, your hormonal health, how you're able to process carbohydrates. So over time I went from not being able to eat any carbohydrates in the morning without having a uh, racing heart and like getting extremely fatigued. Um, because, My hormones, my cortisol melatonin balance was completely off track. Um, My endocrine function was off track. My NAD, NADH, that cytochrome one, wasn't working optimally. And so I wasn't able to create energy from the carbohydrates I was eating. Instead, they were being stored as fat. Uh, So the awesome thing about sunlight and strong uh, UV light, which I started to um, learn and incorporate and eventually created the sunlight RX to help others. um, After I use that to not only heal my TBI, but to improve my carbohydrate metabolism. Why does this occur? When you're in strong UV light, this naturally depletes glucose from your liver, so your body's able to um, assimilate, use, metabolize carbohydrates much more effectively and efficiently when you're in strong UV light. It's why I tell all my Sunlight RX um, followers and all my private clients, "Hey, if you are struggling with carbohydrate metabolism, cancer, type 2 diabetes, obesity, etc., hormonal insufficiencies. You need to get your liver in strong UV light. So if you're um, a female, go outside in your bikini, in your sports bra, and get your abdomen and your liver in strong UV light. This is laid out uh, about how to do this and how to optimize this and improve carbohydrate metabolism all in the Sunlight Rx ebook. You can find that at my site, HeatherShepherd.com. It's uh, listed there, you just scroll down the home page and you can see where where to purchase that. But you want to you need to get your liver in strong UV light in order to stimulate that process. Now, when light um, interacts with your eye in the pVN that that circadian clock portal located in your hypothalamus, this will also help to drive healthy carbohydrate metabolism but really you want to get if the more compromise your carbohydrate metabolism the more you're going to want to get your liver, your pancreas, your digestive organs in strong uv light. When I started to do this today right now, I can eat carbohydrates at any meal and I don't gain weight. I don't have a racing heart. I don't have this like total energy plummet experience where I'm out for you know a few hours of the day in the morning because my energy's totally tanked. I don't have that experience. My body can now handle and process carbohydrates much more efficiently and effectively because I've done the work on how to improve my my carbohydrate metabolism and this really starts with and for to sum up this episode here for you it starts with improving your light environment, right? Mitigating your artificial light environment and learning how to um, to be indoors and not be around artificial light. This is something that that's really important, and I highly recommend that you look into that. It's something I teach all my clients. I outline it in my EMF 101 course. Really, really important when it comes to your health and carbohydrate metabolism. So get in sunlight, uh, mitigate your artificial light environment. And eat a seasonal diet. You know, don't eat bananas in the winter time if you live at a high latitude, or don't, you know, don't eat other uh, foods that are grown in strong UV light during winter months when you live at a high latitude. This right here will um, really help to improve your carb metabolism. Now, some of you might be thinking, Heather like how long did you have to do that do i just go out for the recommended you know 15 minutes a day and i'll make ample vitamin d that's a crock of bs that 15 minutes a day in uvb light is going to be helpful that's like a starting place that i that i encourage people to start at when they have been living an indoor life for you know it, the past year plus we want to get to the point where you're outside in strong UVB light for at least an hour a day. At least, I know some people's lifestyles and um, you know how their life is arranged can't support that or can't support more than that. But if you can work towards at least getting an hour of UVB light exposure a day. And you need to prep your skin and body to be able to absorb that UV light. You can't just go out in afternoon light in the summertime, you know, and expect to reap the benefits of UVB light and its carbohydrate um, enhancing metabolism capabilities or its vitamin D production capabilities. The Sunlight RX outlines this. You have to precondition your skin and your cells with other light with the light that shows up in the solar spectrum before UVB light is present to make this whole thing work. So you might be thinking, wow, this is a real life shift. Like that's insane. I'll have to be outside a lot more. And that's exactly the point of um my podcast, The Primal Pioneer. I do, I started this podcast because I needed to be outside more and I wanted to shift my life um, in order to be outside more so I could continue to reap the benefits of sunlight. I knew that I had to put my health first because if I wasn't, if I didn't put my health first and I wasn't going to be able to help as many people as I desire when it comes to helping them heal, or even as simple as helping my neighbor, you know, Move something or stack a pile of wood or pick apples. You know, I needed to be able to have a lot of energy and um, motivation and um, healthy brain function in order to show up for myself and for others. And to do that, I had to gradually over time shift how I was putting my workout in the world and what that looked like in order to support my health. If we don't have our health, then, then what do we have and who can we show up for? So, if you're in a place where you're like, "Well, I can't do that quite yet," I would invite you to just start to explore and make some goals as to how you can gradually start to be outside more um because this is the direction that we need to move towards if we want to reclaim our health. We can't do it sitting inside in front of our computers all day um but we don't have to totally throw that way of living out either, you know, we can be on our devices in in ways that don't dismantle, diminish our health. We can be in environments that, you know, where we can do our work, where we can be online, where we can be connected, but also be outside. You know, for example, I won't start my workday until um, 11 a.m. because I um, need to be outside until 11am. And then I'll make sure that, you know, from one o'clock till two or two 30, I won't have a client or I won't be on, on my computer because I know that's my ideal window to be in UVB light. And so I've started to schedule my day around sunlight and schedule my work day and work schedule around sunlight as well. Has this been an easy shift for me? Absolutely not. I was someone who created an online business and was inside on my computer all day long. So this was a gradual shift. It took time. But when I started to reap and see the benefits of this lifestyle shift, I was sold. It was a no-brainer. I was like, there is no looking back. Like, it's not worth it for me personally to... You know, be inside in an artificial environment and be unhealthy versus being outside and scheduling my life to be outside more and, and be much more healthy than than I ever had even before my accident and TBI occurred. So, I hope that you found this this episode helpful, insightful. I know that we got into a lot more of the science. I uh, might have been a little bit more heady, um, but. I just want to end on this last note that um, really disease comes from, pathology comes from, poor energy comes from losing, in, losing energy to your environment. So um, when we live inside, when we're in front of our devices, when we're under artificial light, we're literally giving off energy to our environment. However, that's not the way we are designed to interact with our environment. It's not how we were designed to be healthy. We need to gain energy from our environment. And when we're in this place of losing energy to our environment by living in an artificial environment, that's when we start to crave carbs and sugars because this gives us that, that quick, short burst of energy, right? And so we get that short energy burst because um, those foods we're craving to get an energy burst because we're losing so much energy. Our body's like, quick, 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 put some energy and I need some energy. And so we start to crave carbs and sugar. So if you're someone out there and you're craving carbs and sugar and you're like, oh man, I don't know how to get rid of these cravings. First, just, you know, practice uh, implementing the things we talked about throughout this episode. But also know that you're likely losing far too much energy to your environment, which is driving your sh- carbohydrate and sugar consumption. I also see this in people who need to eat small, frequent meals or who are just like constant grazers throughout the day. They're losing so much en- energy to their environment that their body's trying to get them to gain energy from their environment. And um, a really easy way to do this is to crave carbs, crave sugar, you know, your body, uh, m- your body's metabolic thermostat is off. And so you're constantly, yeah, I'm a little hungry, or you can't even detect if you're hungry or not. It's because you're in this state, uh, an environment where you're, you're losing, you're giving off energy to your environment and you want to gain energy from your environment. You do this by learning the sunlight RX, you know, make sure you're earthing in a natural environment, You want to uh, basically turn your skin into a solar panel. Your skin literally is a solar panel. It's designed this way so that you're able to obtain energy from your environment. You're able to gain energy from your environment. And this is key to improving carbohydrate metabolism. It's key to improving energy levels. It's key to removing... And rectifying and overcoming carbohydrate and sugar cravings, and being that constant, you know, in that constant state of being a grazer. So, get your seasonal diet on. Know that if you're drawn to keto, this is a short term uh, therapeutic modality or therapeutic diet that you can use uh, until your mitochondria, until your NAD, NADH have improved in its functionality and health. And until this has improved, until your NAD, and NADH have improved, until your mitochondrial function has improved, you want to limit carbs and sugars in the short term until you've engaged in some of these long-term strategies that get to the root of carb and sugar cravings. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I know this episode painted a much different picture around sugar and carbs than the mainstream and even keto and paleo narrative around carb consumption has offered. However, if we look to nature for the answers, she never fails us. Aligning your light environment with the light environment your food is grown in and by getting your sunlight RX on, these are core ways to improve carb metabolism that help get to the root of metabolic disorders that have earned a bad rap today. Changing this perspective has a profound ability to transform and improve the way your body metabolizes carbohydrates. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could take one minute to rate and review. Each review helps more and more people just like you learn the deeper truths about our health, dietary trends, and approach to healing and unveils the deeper truths behind what actually is driving our epidemic rates of poor health today. Don't forget to take a screenshot of this episode, share it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Sunderlight underscore Rx. Thanks again for tuning in and see you next week. The Primal Pioneer podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease in the Western medical sense or terms. It is to be used for educational and informational purposes only. The information shared on this podcast and all of Heather Shepard's work is not a form of diagnostic medicine, nor is it a medical treatment. Heather Shepard is a health educator, radical health practitioner, and a trained EMF specialist. And although she has a bachelor's in science and master's education in alternative medicine, she is not a medical doctor and does not give medical advice. Her work and sharing is to be used for informational and educational purposes only.